Brian Powell of I Run Far here with Megan Hicks after her women-supported FKT of Nolan's 14. How are you, Megan? <laughs> Good, Brian. How are you? All right. We're back here in uh, beautiful Silverton, Colorado, after your, uh, your great effort this past weekend. Yeah, it snowed today. It did snow today. Or well, it is snowing today. Well, then let's start there with the weather. Um, one of the Nolan's 14 uh, is a multi-day effort um, so far, still for the women, uh, over two days. Um, you did it in 50 hour, 15 and a half hours and change. Um, but hitting the weather window is really crucial because uh, for much of the su early summer, there's uh, still lots of snow on the ground, making the route very slow or impossible. Uh, then you have the monsoon season through the July and August, and then snow comes. <laughs> um, and there's also the heat of the summer, and uh, this, this summer a lot of wildfire smoke. So how did you choose, how did you set up, and how did you choose when you uh, went for it this time? Yeah, I guess I was just looking to thread the needle between all of the factors that you just talked about. I think most people who attempt Nolans kind of go for trying to hit early in the season, if that's possible, sort of before the the heavy monsoon season and the heavy electricity season sets in, or they wait for uh, sort of that window be between when monsoon season starts to abate and when some of these first big storms set in. So um, for me, I was never going to be ready to traipse around some mountains early season. I needed most of the summer to prepare my body. So for me, it was taking that later window and just trying to thread it. Yeah. And did you set like a, a particular range of dates, like a weather window sort of? How did that work? Well, originally I thought I would aim for sometime in late August. Um, and that's because there's usually... A week or so where the monsoon seasons, the monsoons just sort of abate for a little while before they come on strong to finish off again. So I thought I'd aim for that. Um, but in the end, um, just worked out like logistics wise, otherwise to, to wait for the early September end of monsoon window. And you actually ended up moving up your, your start date a day uh, late in the process. Yeah, so I guess I originally chose Friday, September 4th as the start of my window. Um, and I just, I picked that because it was um, when monsoons usually start calming down. Um, after I thought I had enough taper time or enough, you know, prep and taper time when crew people uh, could be around to support me. And um, yeah, the weather window opened up Tuesday uh, and yeah, Tuesday, I guess three days before, and so we went for it on Thursday morning. And uh, you ended up pretty much having a perfect weather window. It could not have been more perfect. Yeah. yeah, honestly, with every potential, you know, climate factor, it was a few degrees warmer than normal for the first week of September, but honestly, I would trade that for any other factor that could have been there. It could have been, couldn't have been more perfect. Yeah, and you... Uh started just after wildfire smoke cleared out yeah and then quite literally uh, just over a day later huge wildfire smoke influx yeah and i i really have to credit meteorologist and run, runner chris tomer who um, really helped me like pinpoint the couple window couple day window where it was going to be between these cold fronts bringing snow it was where uh there was going to be enough i don't really know what the factors were to keep the um, wildfire smoke away from um, the Sawatch but yeah all the all the climactic stars really aligned yeah um 
and so did your your effort this weekend. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> you um, previously uh, you'd set the women supported FKT four years ago, just almost exactly to the same dates. Yeah. Um, in we're the first to go under sixty hours from trail to trailhead, fifty nine thirty five, and you ran just over nine hours faster, <laughs> fifty. 33, 32, I can't remember. Exactly. And did you think that was possible? Yes. Yes? (laughs) Yeah. Even if you wouldn't say publicly? Yeah, I mean, I would never, I would never say those numbers out loud. Maybe not even to you. Nope. Um, But the, um, I know what it takes for women to walk up and down those mountains. Um, I know what it takes for women to walk up and down a string of those mountains I knew it was absolutely possible it was just a matter of um, having enough things not go wrong Mm -hmm. to um, some woman who was uh, prepared for it and um, I think somebody believing in that being possible so yeah for sure so many things I want to unpack there (laughs) one is I've really uh, been thinking about this in in case in in terms of you um, how large a part does confidence play a part in that um something as big as an Owens attempt I think at least I mean the role of confidence is probably variable for different women but I think for me it's like a balance of confidence of I mean I've caught myself being too confident about something before and like maybe relying too heavily on you know like one very short bout of training and thinking that represents you know a, a greater sphere of fitness than it does you know, like kind of the recency bias confidence mm-hmm. thing. Um, and then I've been caught by underconfidence before where just not, not believing I was capable of something that I was. So for me, I think personally, it's just a finding a balance. And that's how much of that is based on familiarity and, and what other factors play into that? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know if I have a good answer to that question. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I know I'm quite familiar with Nolan's at this point, um, but I I do think like, um, so in between my two successful attempts, I had a fail failed attempt, and I think I was slightly overconfident going into um, that experience. Um, yeah, I sort of thought that I could tame the mountains and tame the conditions and go out in whatever I would find, and I found that to be really like the opposite so yeah yeah, i don't know i think that's a really hard question (laughs) you mentioned taming the mountains and taming the environment uh it seems like this time you didn't try to do that at all like you yeah that was the the biggest takeaway from my 2017 failure on the nolan's course is that um mother nature is really in charge of all things you know Mm -hmm. i mean she can tumble a rock down and really change your day um she can blow a a pretty gnarly wind that makes it really difficult to be up there for so long yeah it's um up in the high country up where um you're really exposed and there's very little cover you're not in charge you're never now, in charge. how much is it you know you're not in charge but how large a role did it play being prepared and mitigating what what you did face out there I think that's it. I mean, that's a huge part of it. Um, yeah, I think in terms of 
preparation and organization and picking the right weather window we did everything we could to to mitigate all of the potential like risk factors and factors that would make it not a successful day Mm -hmm. um but i do think like yeah just going in with a um a mind open to the fact that you ain't the boss yeah (laughs) really helps me anyway now obviously there's not going to be a it's two plus days there's not going to be perfection throughout and there's going to be unexpected things that happen Uh, what was kind of the largest like challenge (laughs) that happened out there again that was nutrition Yeah. (laughs) yeah um in my first successful Nolan's attempt, I lost my stomach and being able to eat solid foods about a day and a half in. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, I started to lose that only about a half a day in. Um, so I had about the same amount of time where I was relying largely, almost exclusively, on liquid calories. This time, I was better prepared for that, mm-hmm. and I had lots of different uh, liquid nutrition at hand and was able to keep getting in calories. Um, I missed some of the volume, like probably was not getting 200 calories an hour just because it's hard to take in that liquid Mm -hmm. and hard to carry it around um, over so much vertical and so much time out. Um, But yeah, yeah, it was a challenge. (laughs) But you had a way to mitigate it. You had a plan and and followed that. Yeah, I mean, I had, I don't know, six or eight different flavors of liquid calories and different types of things to drink and that kept things uh kept the palate happy about as happy as it could be and um yeah kept my energy pretty good yeah Yeah. i mean there were ups and downs but overall the energy was much better this time so this was kind of been a summer of uh yeah of women on the nolan's 14 course um up until the start of the summer i believe you still had the the FKT yeah. <laughs> uh, at 59.35 and three other women broke that yeah. in sequence. Yeah, like bam, bam, bam from early July through mid-August. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you were kind of aware and excited about all these strong women running Nolans this summer. And there were others that were thinking about it. So can you tell, tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I think... I certainly consider this the summer of the women on Nolan's in terms of um, their, the, the sheer quantity of women being out there um, wrecking the line and making attempts and then having success on the line. I mean, it, the numbers show that themselves just in how um, far the women's record has come down over just a couple of months time yeah. nine hours and like it, more than double the number of women have finished yeah like it's yeah so it's been um i feel that that situation has been building and it's it's time um for women to sort of come into their own on the nolan's course and yeah i i couldn't be happier to see the women who have been interested in mm-hmm. on the line and um, even even those who have tried and have decided or have recied and decided that this isn't the year that it's going to be in future mm-hmm. years or the women who have tried but haven't um, made it to a finish yet okay. like it's just it's exciting times it's it's really fun to watch and be a part of now even at the beginning of the summer before anybody attempted it like you were you were training with some of these women other women you were talking to them you were helping them out um what was the reason behind that i mean you were you were kind of sitting there 
on top, what was the, the thought? It's just time for there to be more women doing things on big mountains. Um, yeah, it, for me, I mean, there's definitely the intrinsic motivators of being out in a mountain range that I really love and it's the puzzle pieces of doing Nolans. Uh, there's definite personal enjoyment out of that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're the making space and keeping the conversation going about women out there and encouraging women to encourage each other. Um, yeah, it's just time. It's it's way past time mm -hmm. and um yeah what whatever i can do and whatever any little seed of motivation that i can plant for a woman to it's not doesn't have to be nolan's i mean for me it's nolan's but any little seed that what each of us does to plant in another woman to get out there and the seeds that we can plant in our culture in our community that um just make space and make conversation for women i'm 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 for it so yeah i mean bring it on <laughs> you mentioned uh you know it's not just about nolan's like other big mountain pursuits you'd be excited to see uh some women trying out are there any that are on your radar yeah other than nolan's 14 <laughs> definitely <laughs> um well a project that i worked on in the past and didn't reach success on was the utah 13ers like linking all of those up in a single trip i failed at that a couple of times so um that's something i'd like to go back to um yeah i mean i was really intrigued with what um sarah keys and is it Alyssa sarah keys and I'm feeling really bad that I'm not going to get this right. Yeah. Um, what the two women were doing with tagging peaks over different routes and kind of challenge each other in, out in the Adirondacks. Like, that was really awesome. Um, for instance, I love to see what's going on on the Wonderland Trail and the Colorado Trail this year in terms of uh, what women are doing. Um, yeah, the John Muir Trail has been, always been something that's on my personal interest list. It, yeah, the, the list could go on yeah. forever. <laughs> you saying JMT or it makes me think like also high Sierra route. Yeah. 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 Uh, nice. Yeah. Um, so you have now tried Nolan's three times. How has your motivation evolved over those three attempts? I like things that are puzzles. Um, things that involve like putting yourself together physically, mentally, and like I don't know if it's like spiritually or psych. I don't know exactly the right way to put that, but like just mindset. Sort of, yeah, yeah, I I like things that require you having to be very dynamic and yeah, working with constantly changing puzzle pieces. So Nolan's is a really easy. Um, yeah, it fits that bid pretty easily. Um, it's close by to mm -hmm. where we live, and this being like the summer of COVID, like it was um, easy to you know, sort of hone in on that and not think about going to something in another state. Um, yeah, I don't, there's tons of factors. Yeah. Um, Everybody has something. But in terms of performance or goals or what drew you out there specifically in each of those cases? To Nolan's? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to see if you can get better at something. Yeah. It's fun to learn something a little bit more. It's fun to also like from year to year kind of forget and have to relearn a little bit or like be re-reminded of something that 
oh, I, I forgot about that. Or what, what percent of the course had you not been on earlier this year? Or quite a course, but I think all but one mountain. Huron? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see Huron before we started. Or all of Huron. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you were talking about getting the details right and planning it out in the puzzle pieces. Um, people have definitely said you, you you presented as a master out there. Like, and this was your master work, like in terms of, um, execution and uh, on, that's really nice of you over, over a couple days. And like that, um, just watching a lot of races and a lot of performances throughout the world. Um, a lot of people go out strong and then kind of fade into the finish or, or hang on and doesn't appear that that's what you did. Yeah. I really wanted to, um, feel strong in the last day in the last mountains. Um, I thought there was a lot of time that could be made up or passed really quickly there. Um, so my goal was to do the first 24 hours really easy. <laughs> Did you succeed in that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I slowed, I needed to go a little bit slow, slower than I hoped during the afternoon of the first day and as well the afternoon of the second day. It was quite hot mm-hmm. and I could feel the effects of that and just knew I needed to be really careful. So I went on my planned pace for the first 24 hours with the exception of a little bit during the heat of the afternoon on the first day. I was like, needed to cool it off even a, a little bit more. And on the opposite side, it seemed like you made some really strong progress time-wise in like the overnight, early morning hours. Do you feel like that's the case? Yeah, I was actually really happy it turned out like that. Um, uh, I don't always feel strong in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love not sleeping. <laughs> um, but yeah, I felt... I felt pretty good in both of the nights. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And was it, I mean, aside from not maybe getting so sleepy, did, did, did the lack of heat or help totally. out? Yeah. Yeah. The nights weren't cold either, were they? No, I think I only put my jacket on for short periods of one mountain on the first night and one mountain on the second like night. Like a wind I, jacket. Like. I was using a rain jacket just because it's a But not, it's a not green... like a, a puffy jacket or something. Yeah, no. Still... I think for most of the mountains, I wore like two thin wool shirts and gloves and a buff and very, uh, very thin tights. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> what did go wrong out there? Yeah, I mean, my nutrition wasn't ideal. Mm-hmm. I made a couple small navigation errors, things that probably over the course of the whole two days added up to maybe 30 minutes total. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. It's really hard to ding that because there were other places where the navigation went smoother than expected or I went faster than expected because of just getting getting it just right. So honestly, like those little dings, it's really hard to call them misses because it's it's just going to happen. Yeah, there's variability in there and they just happen somewhere. Yeah. Like you can't. I did not have ideal downhill runs on the, maybe it was the last three or four mountains, Uh, maybe Huron and La Plata, I think I could have run pretty well, but I chose not to because I was afraid I was losing my downhill legs and didn't want to. And then the last two mountains are off-trail mountains, and um, it just requires a lot of eccentric contraction, and my mm. legs were tired for the actual, you know, sort of tundra downhill 
running. So I think I could have, yeah, could have made up some time with slightly stronger downhill legs. Now, to, to call into question your your small navigational errors, there was a an apocryphal little story from one of your pacers that on uh, Mount Yale. <laughs> They went around one side of like a, a rock and you went around the other side and you're like, I effed it up <laughs> with more colorful language. I effed it up. And they're like, <laughs> like we got to the same point at the same time. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you're a little particular on your, your lines or what you consider a perfect uh, threading the, the, the route. I have been called very detailed oriented before. <laughs> How many pages were your crew many. packets <laughs> embarrassingly many <laughs> embarrassingly many yeah now that's planning it out like what was a pleasant surprise or two during nolan's a lot of wildlife yeah um yeah lots of great wildlife all three sunrises were off the hook two moonrises, but i have to say the for is it the first night's yeah, both moonrises were awesome. I think the first nights was like really blood red. There must have been a little bit of smoke in the air. Mm -hmm. Unreal. Yeah, na I mean, nature always surprises, but there were just lots of just lovely things to watch. <laughs> Anything from uh, the human side of things? I think everything went well <laughs> human-wise. Our crew was amazing. Yeah, I think there were... Was it seven or eight crew and pacers put together and all of you were incredible it was super fun super easy to be around and i i could not have done what i did without all of you um what was the wildlife you see you mentioned some of that stood out yeah uh let's see um this summer three times i've seen three ptarmigan near the summit of mount oxford uh and this weekend was the third time, so that was fun. Um, the day before we attempted, saw a snowshoe hare, which I, I don't know, I think, I just think rabbits are good luck, and yeah, it's a, it was like a good wish. Um, mountain goats in the dark on the summit of Mount Massive, the final mountain. Elk in the forest coming off of Mount Yale. Lots and lots of deer, including the same deer that I saw wrecking as I did during attempting um, climbing out of Pine Creek towards Mount Oxford, like the same mom and her um, baby and the same um, female deer looking down at me from a ridgeline. It just, they just had, it's just such a particular spot. It had to be the same ones. Um, I had lost my chapstick while wrecking and found it. Um, Leave Vin no trace. Come on. <laughs> Vince, my pacer for Mount Harvard and I, saw an animal uh, near the Mount Harvard summit. We don't know what it was, but it was four-legged with a long tail, and it moved so fast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing it could be is a mountain lion or a fox. Hmm. Yeah. So, one or the other. Um, you mentioned you don't like lack of sleep. Did you ever have to, to really battle the sleep monster out there? Only briefly going up on the um, old mining road, the first part of Mount Massive, Mount 13. Is that right? Mountain 13? Yeah. Mount Albert. Mount Albert, Mountain 13. You're kind of on 
this old mining track for an hour and a half or something. It's mindless. It's warm. It's the middle of the second night, and I was sleepy. Yeah. I can't imagine, or I can't imagine, but you went through two plus days, uh, and your feet held up well. Yeah, they did. How, how does that, tell me the secret <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, I had one little blister on the inside of my right big toe. They were, they were tired, they were sore. All of the extensor and flexor tendons you could feel were kind of at their max on the last downhill. It was kind of like really hard to like plant my feet on the ground while trying to run. Um, yeah. I, I really I don't have any great secrets. I mean, I know it comes down to, like, your nutrition and your hydration being good. Um, you know, having having shoes that aren't – your toes aren't banging into, mm-hmm. so I had good-sized shoes. Um, I wear the Njinji compression knee highs, and they've um, yielded success for me for years in terms of, like, keeping um, toe blisters and, you know, allowing you to have some movement in your shoes but not a lot. Uh, but yeah. you didn't, you, you changed your shoes and socks a couple times, but not every sort of crew point? I think I tried to do it every half of a day. Is that right? Or three quarters of a day? I think I changed them three times. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you, you went out there and ran 50-33. Yeah. Do you think you could go faster? Yes. Do you think you want to try to go faster? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not saying no. <laughs> I'm not saying yes, and I'm not saying no. I, um, For me, this was the perfect summer. Um, we usually travel about seven times between the beginning of the year and now, um, which take us to places around the world for a week to cover races, and, you know, we're on long-haul flights, and we don't... Um, sleep and we don't run um, with any quality um, so I had those seven weeks to train normally you know without mm-hmm. any break um, I've been at high altitude since March this year um, courtesy of the pandemic didn't have to go to low altitude um, yeah I mean I, I don't know that in the in my regular life setup I could be set up any more perfectly than it was this year. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to, like, dream and mm-hmm. to believe in what you might be capable of, but I honestly feel like I had so many stars align, like big picture, little picture on the day in training um, that how can you – how can you replicate that? Yeah. So this may this may be as as good of an opportunity as I could have optimized and, yeah. and utilized. But do you see opportunities like concrete opportunities for where you could uh, improve? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if I could get my nutrition right, if I could um, run the last four downhills as well as I ran the first four downhills. If yeah, I mean, I you know walk around the right side of the rock instead of the left side of the rock I don't know <laughs> um yeah I mean but again like so many so many things went right so does it feel like a paradigm shifting summer in terms of women at Nolan's I mean I hope so I mean what was it just back in 2017 when Iker Carrera first brought the record men's record under 50 hours yeah so like 
I mean, we've always known that Nolan's can go so much faster yeah. than it has, um, but it it's just not one of those things you can just be a fit athlete and knock off like you can a trail. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have route knowledge. You have to have um, altitude acclimation. Yeah. Have, getting the weather window right and, and the conditions, you know, not having a ton of snow underfoot and not having to wait out a storm like there's just so many things to get right so even one of the i mean on the men's side let's say you know killian or francois like if they showed up they might be able to set the a new record but it wouldn't be it'd be possible but it wouldn't be near their potential it would be it would be really fun to watch but joey campanelli he was you know he's an incredible mountain athlete um who prepared himself specifically for this knows the route by the back of his hand I mean it's just sort of the men's record is going to go lower than that for sure mm-hmm. um, but it's going to take somebody with really special talent and really special especially honed to this to do it and have it on the women's side same thing yeah, yeah totally oh yeah I mean <laughs> yeah puts I mean put even some of the same women who've been out there this summer mm-hmm. you know give them another year of wrecking and who knows if they want to let's yeah. let's hope that they want to um but yeah the women's the women the women's record is going down below two days this year or next year done yeah done I mean done <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna go further too I believe it do you feel good about being a part of that and seeing what's possible out there yeah i mean i know i know that there are women who are going to take it a lot further than i could ever take it but just playing a small part and getting women excited about it and getting them out there and experiencing it like whatever little part i can do to like put the bug in people's ears i feel Mm -hmm. really happy about now on the flip side of that how does one ensure help to ensure that you know the loans 14 line or area or whatever you want to say is is sort of well-maintained or preserved or cared for thank you for asking that question (laughs) um yeah i mean the use of colorado 14ers is going up um the use of the nolan's line is going up i think that's just the natural progress of things out here um but in my mind it's all it's not about stopping people from going out there or trying to minimize the number of people going out there it's encouraging people to go out there who and to develop care for being there because when you care about it you take care of it and you um, travel ethically and you teach others who who go with them to, to travel yeah, what, to, are the, what are some of those highlights in traveling ethically kind of on those Nolan 14 areas yeah I mean there's some places where you can um, go pretty fast um, going downhill but you knock a lot of things down with you um, and it's probably not a good idea yeah. um, in the long run for a lot of people to be out there doing that just because it doesn't take much to create create erosion problem. Um, going in small groups and dispersing mm-hmm. your travel, um, packing out your toilet paper. So dispersing that travel, will you, can you be more specific with that? Yeah, I mean, we, in tra- we as trail runners, we're really used to like traveling right in front of and right behind mm-hmm. each other. Um, but leave no trace, the nonprofit that sort of creates recommendations for sustainable and ethical wild travel um, they really ask um, people who are traveling off trail to disperse your traffic to not walk in front of each other um, yeah. and I think the 
Colorado 14ers initiative started um, using this piece of education a couple summers ago, saying that for some tundra plants, it only takes five footsteps for them to die. And So it's particularly important. It's, it's a good principle to have anywhere off trail, but especially in the alpine environment and that moss and that those tundra plants. Alpine environments and like wet, wet, boggy, you know, sort of the, yeah, the little bog things you come across here and there. Yeah. So spread out. It's spread wide, not just follow in a line. Yeah. And, um, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, that's it. I guess that's it. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> but is there, I guess not. What, what else would you want to share about your experience these, these past few days? Um, gratitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it just comes down to a feeling of gratitude. It was just it's just so cool like being out there on basically on your own or mostly on your own for a couple days traveling through pretty wild country not seeing hardly anybody having sort of all of the factors of nature like seemingly on your side Mm -hmm. you know there's sometimes when you're out and about you just kind of feel like the natural elements are stacked up a little bit and to have them unstacked and sort of just open for you feels just feel so grateful for that and we had such a fun crew of people um friends out there crewing and pacing um there was a lot of laughter I didn't talk on all the mountains because I was feeling a little ill here and there um but even if I wasn't talking I was having a ton of fun just like listening to friends and being with friends um yeah and just gratitude. Congratulations, Megan. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and a bonus question for you. Oh, I still want to do a bonus question. <laughs> oh, we do, we do. Uh, what was your favorite like piece of type of candy out on the trail? Did you have any? Uh, I don't. I don't think you had much in your in your own supplies, but there were some out there. Yeah, my pacer Esther, who paced me for Huron and La Plata, was carrying a bag of um, Sour Patch Kids, Swedish Fish, and some sort of, like, sour gummy worm. Yeah. And, you know, during the time she was with me, it was the heat of the second day. Um, I was drinking my calories. I really wanted to try to get some more calories in, and her bag of food was wonderful because you could just stick those things like up into your gums and they dissolve and I mean at that point you literally you feel the energy you know converted as it's dissolving in your mouth and you feel it and it tasted great it felt great and I loved it so like gummy food melange a gummy food melange yeah (laughs) we're like really sunk into elderlyhood I think 